part of learning how we work best to me is learning how we rest best. Hi, you're listening to Looks Like Work. I'm your host, Ted McLean, and yeah, it's the least pronounceable name you've ever heard, but you'll get used to it. I'm a serial entrepreneur who's obsessed with curiosity, creativity, and grit, and that's just to get started. I really can't get enough of learning more about people's career choices. What fulfills them? How do they deal with burnout, with heartbreak? How do they protect their boundaries? And is it all even working? Those are questions that keep me up at night and I hope to explore here. On this podcast, we'll have deep conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, people juggling a few jobs, sometimes even a few industries, sharing what looks like work for them. With that, on to the episode. I really hope you'll enjoy it. Welcome to the podcast, Amelia. I'm so excited to finally have you here as a guest. How are you? Thanks so much for having me, Hedva. I am doing great today. I'm really pumped to be here. I am so pumped to have you here. So we'll introduce you in a second, but basically for our listeners who maybe don't understand why I'm so excited, Amelia Ruby is the producer of Looks Like Work among many great podcast and she is the founder of software sounds studio and the host of an amazing podcast i'm obsessed with called off the grid which is all about how amelia went off social media and mostly mm-hmm. instagram am i right yes primarily instagram we'll get to dive yeah. into that today i'm sure totally so before we kind of dive into things when did you found softer sounds and like what what brought you there like it's it's such a I think like a non-obvious thing to do <laughs> yeah it was a journey it was certainly a little like you know my career has been very I often say spiralic I don't know if that's totally true but it has definitely one of those I have one of those career journeys where like I just made a lot of choices. There was not an obvious linear path. And then somehow they all integrated into this business that I launched. So oh, I, I, I totally get it. Yeah, I know. That's exactly what this podcast is about and how everyone's journey is <laughs> totally. gone. But yeah, I launched Softer Sounds in la- summer, early fall of 2021. So it's relatively new business. I had been a... Fr- in the midst of COVID. Yeah, in the midst of COVID. I had been doing audio editing freelance work for like three or four, no, four or five years before I launched the company. So I've been doing a lot of podcasting just as kind of a cut some tape and invoice some people for a long time. In early 2021, I had a new job or... A different job at a company I'd been at for a while. And it just, you know, it was supposed to be my dream job, but it just didn't feel right. And I was just found myself feeling really, I want to say dissatisfied, but mostly it was like the work was great. I just had been working with entrepreneurs for a long time and I realized I needed to be one. Like no job working with Ooh. entrepreneurs was going to satisfy me. I needed to be an entrepreneur. You wanted to be in the arena. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I had just, you know, I had been like a coach on the sidelines for many years at that point. And I was like, it's time for me to take the leap. So I did that. I quit my job in June of 2021 and then launched Softer Sound shortly thereafter. And the company really brought together my work with entrepreneurs because I just I work with, you know, business owners and women and gender nonconforming folks running their own businesses. And it brought together my audio editing work that I'd been doing so long. It brought together some of my teaching that I did while I was in grad school, you know, my ability to like create a mini curriculum and help people with it. Like it really brought all those pieces in my love of feminism, my love of soft power and communication that's full of care. And I bring all of that into softer sounds and I work with amazing entrepreneurs like you to share their voices with the world. So it's a real joy. I love the work that I do. I have to say, I am so impressed with you and with Softer Sounds, even before like we go into my obsession with your podcast (laughs) and my like, my sheer kind of, no, it's not disbelief. It's more like, whoa, how can you do it? And I I keep listening and I know how you do it and why you do it. But I was like, oh my God, she actually, but I am so impressed. And now that I'm hearing, I probably knew it, but I I don't think I remembered it, that the business isn't even one year old. In fact, like as this goes live, it will be like 
almost your kind of business birthday anniversary, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I'm so impressed with is that, you know, as you said, it's a nonlinear path and you brought many, many different things about you and about things that you care about and things that you've already worked on in some way or another into it. But it's so cohesive. It's so concise. Mm. There's like a, a, a story. It's so, it contains itself. And everything kind of connects, even though there are so many different moving pieces that are, don't necessarily have to do mm. with each other. Like, mm-hmm. build it together in such a beautiful way. And I, there are so many different things that are so impressive. I love the, the soft and the caring part. I love the mm-hmm. slow part, which is so opposed mm-hmm. to, like, my <laughs> natural way of being <laughs> yeah. and is so much closer to what I'm trying to be. Yeah. But I remember like the first time I, I kind of realized or, or like actually like saw your email signature talking about like how like you're, you're, you believe in the slow business movement. And I would love to hear more about that. And then when I got your, your sticker, which listeners can't see, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm waiting for my new laptop to put it on. And then like just, Going into your website, it says all those things, even without, like, it does verbally say many of those things. Mm-hmm. But even if it had, hadn't had, it just, that's the feeling that you're able to convey. Mm. And I want to applaud you because uh-huh. as someone in writing and in marketing and a business owner, you know, serial entrepreneur, it's not something that could be taken for granted. It's like really you... Uh, embody those things so well how like how much work did it take or did (laughs) did you feel that it's kind of maybe you'll crush my soul and you'll say no it was part of like just going (laughs) in a caring slow way it's just flowed out no I I am a Capricorn rising everything is hard work for me So I'm so glad we're bringing the star sign conversation yes. into it. Always. I, I like live and die by my natal chart. So, well, thank you so much for all of that, like beautiful praise and compliments. And, you know, I really, I receive and take in everything you just said, because it was very intentional and that you're truly, it feels so good to hear that you are, you got everything I was trying to communicate through yeah, the branding. Yeah, you can really the feel the intention. Thank you. It was certainly a lot of work and I can I definitely want to like shout out places and people that helped me along the way. So before I launched Softer Sounds, I worked for a company called Sister for two and a half years and I was the program coordinator for our core program, which was called Feminist Business School. And through Feminist Business School, I taught many, many groups of aspiring entrepreneurs how to conceive of their business idea and how to really root into their values and and think about feminist values specifically and like create a business based on their commitments, their values, their talents, their zones of genius and all of these things. So basically, you know, after doing that for years, when I left that, that job, I was like, I have all this curriculum that I have taught so many times, and I can use this for myself. And you know, so it was that that curriculum was very helpful. And all of the support and mentorship I got from my, my boss, Jennifer Armbrist at Sister, while I was working there just taught me so much about business. Also, after I left that job, I took other courses. I took a course called the Alignment Course with my friend and uh, colleague, Maggie Batista, that I loved. I took another course with a coach and friend named Laura Hallway that I forget what it was called, but it was great. (laughs) And I just, when I left my job in June, I kind of took a summer sabbatical and I literally like every day I would like have a slow morning and I go in my backyard and get in my inflatable pool for the summer. And I would just like soak in ideas. Like I'd soak in the water and I'd soak in these ideas wow. I had and I would journal. And it was like, it. it was kind of idyllic and it was a really slow process. It was also a ton of work. You know, from there, I kind of got one or two early clients that were kind of like my prototype clients. They helped me figure out, is the package right? Is the pricing right? What am I doing? How am I going to make this happen? And then from there, I built the website. And then from there, I built my backend systems. And then the business kind of was rolling. 
I registered the business in July. But I officially announced it in September. That's when the website was live and everything was ready. That's amazing. Yeah. Because thinking thinking back to when I kind of initially uh, came across you, it was not long after that. It was October, November, something like that. And yeah. it already felt so put together. So really yeah. amazing. I was incredibly intentional from the beginning. But I will say too, again, like, I had been freelancing as an audio editor for like four years by the time I launched this business. So I knew like the offering piece, like all my freelance work told me how to do that. The courses I took helped me figure out the values and figure out how to build a company that felt like and embodied those values, not just like, you know, made them a list on the website. And then the branding, honestly, I made by myself in Canva. I just like kind (laughs) of... It's gorgeous. I love it. Thank you. I like played around with colors for a long time and then I just committed. So from one perspective, it came together very fast and it can definitely feel like, wow, you launched a a beautiful, amazing, well thought out business in a couple months. But like there were years of work to get the audio editing stuff figured out. There were Mm. years of working for a feminist business school to help me learn the process of how to launch a business like this. There were even more years of all of the feminist mantra work that I did, the gross low sticker you mentioned, that was a mantra from my book that came out in 2020. So like that was all the personal development work I did for way, like a decade before I ever got to wow. launching this business. So it's kind of an ac- accumulation of everything you worked on for years and years. Exactly. Yeah. So I like I love that it all like came together and popped up in this business, but it's definitely one of those stories where I just try to tell people like it was not an overnight success story. <laughs> it was like <laughs> yeah. a long It's an journey. overnight success story, 20 years in the making. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. So I would love to tap into the the grow slow and everything that comes with it because I feel like just from my kind of I think that's one of the things that I've been dealing a lot in my entrepreneurship and in my life. On the one hand, it's been such an amazing driver and really allowed me to do so many things Mm -hmm. and to also kind of um, recruit the the well, you know, the, the, the motivation of people around me and stuff like that. On the other hand, we talk about burnout every episode and Mm -hmm. definitely when you shine bright and fast, you burn out fast as Mm -hmm. well so I really remember and when I'm talking to you I can like it's not even about words or actions I can remember this feeling of having like your heartbeat in your throat because you like you feel so excited you're so adrenaline soaked yeah and you're just like I I can't I can't stop I need to do another thing and another thing yeah and by the way looking back to almost any of my ventures like during that phase mm-hmm. that adrenaline like really can't sleep can't eat it sounds yeah. like a lot of other things right looking back the things that like what was there was the excitement and the adrenaline for sure but the actions were many times like very confused very strapped uh, scattered very mm-hmm. fragmented very all around the place yeah still many times i just thought that i didn't know how to start Mm-hmm. in a different way yeah. and I'm so curious to hear about you starting this business which is so intentional it's so much about who you are and an accumulation of everything that or many things that you care about right mm-hmm. yeah and still being able to give yourself and the business some space to breathe and kind of let it I would love to hear how it was both in practice, but also did you, and if so, I'm guessing you did because I think you're very intentional. How did you kind of plan for it and and think about it in advance? Yeah. You know, I think I empathize a lot with what you're saying. I, I like resonates with me because I also am like a very adrenaline soaked starter. Like I, to bring my astrology back into it, I'm an Aries sun. I love new things. I love, like, I'm a sprinter by nature. Maybe not, and like, actually run, but like, in my creative process. <laughs> <laughs> no, none of us. 
but actually <laughs> like creatively I am like someone who like has the spark and then I like will like sprint that yeah. project ahead really fast and I, I try to let myself indulge in that part of myself because I think sometimes when we think about going slow or growing slowly what we end up doing is like fighting against our nature. And I don't think that's the point. I think like the point right. is really to learn how our, like what our rhythms are. How do our creative ideas and inspirations flow? So I, I think the goal is to like figure out our own rhythm. And so many of us are so soaked in that like capitalist entrepreneurial narrative and like we feel like we have to go fast and grow fast and you know that especially if you've ever been in the tech world or adjacent to it you know move fast and break things is a mantra from there that has gone through I think all of the entrepreneurship literature that you see out there and trainings and things you can learn for sure you know I heard something from Simon Sinek in a talk I attended which I don't know if I love or if I hate it because that definitely caused me to like stop in my tracks because it was like very Mm -hmm. shocking (laughs) and he said we worship growth Mm -hmm. so much but where does growth manifest itself in in nature Mm -hmm. it's like tumors right like that's the thing that grows out of control i was like oh my god I don't know if like, I don't know if I agree. I don't know if that's the best way to represent it, but it definitely got me thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that reminds me, I'm just gonna talk about planets on here, apparently, but <laughs> that's something that people often say about the planet Jupiter. Like it expands anything it comes into contact with. And that can be really good things like you know, your time or your relationships or how much money you have or whatever. But it can also just like grow stuff you don't want to grow like a tumor or (laughs) something else. And I think that, you know, that's the model of growth as scaling in perpetuity that like we we see as lauded and celebrated in the business world. So your question was like, how did I go slowly? And how do I go slowly in my business? You know, part of it really was giving myself that whole summer to think about what is this business going to be? And I let myself have ideas. You know, I left my job in early June. I was like, I'm not going to start a business till the end of the year. But like in July, I registered the business because I was like, I know what this is. (laughs) So I would let the ideas come and I would act on them when I felt like really called to. But I just didn't push. And I really tried to take my time and, you know, limit how many hours a day I was working, focus on my creative practice, focus on my body and a lot of healing work I was doing and, you know, just other things that I let take precedent over my work for the first time in my life, really, because I had just always been working so much and work always came first. And so I tried to experiment with not letting work come first. I took a lot of classes that summer, some business, some otherwise. And it all just helped me slow down. And then now that I'm in business, I will say it's harder to go slow (laughs) when you have clients who need things from you. But I do really try, as you mentioned, like in my email signature to say things like, we go slowly here, like you can expect slower response times. I have a new email signature that has my office hours and my out of office dates in it. I'm really trying to think about, I have practices I'm putting in place, like I do one meeting free week a month so that I have a space to like rest and do some deep work for myself. I only, I've moved all my meetings to like two days of the week to really try to consolidate when I give my time to other people and when I um, have it to work on my own projects or work on client work that's not in a meeting. I really try to take a week off per quarter. It's hard. It's hard. I really have definitely struggled with wow. that. With time, time off is really hard for me. But I think those are all ways that I'm trying to go more slowly. And then with clients, I really try to emphasize, you know, I'm a, I like to say like, there's nothing life or death about podcasting. <laughs> like <Right>. <laughs> there, there is no urgency here. Like, yeah, I, I meet my deadlines. I communicate timelines very clearly, but I'm not going to rush just because, you know, we all like get that sense of like panic, you know, it's, it can be so easy to panic yeah. about a deadline. And I'm like, no, we're not going to rush just because we're feeling panicked. We're going to like slow down. And something I've noticed right. is how much I just have to give my clients permission to take a break, skip a week, do something else, 
Like half of my job I is just this. permission. I think you you wrote about it last week when I rescheduled on you in your newsletter, yeah. right? And you said like, it wasn't just you; it was everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for me, by the way, it was like I was just like waking up and I was like, I'm not in the right brain space. Yeah, and it's like I don't have to like I don't have to podcast. It's not life or death. I don't exactly. Like, that's not how I make my living, and. I really want, I want to be excited for it and mm-hmm. I am excited for it. And I don't want my, my guest to hear how I'm like thinking about something else that's really occupying yeah. my, my heart or my head. Right. And it was so, you were so understanding. And by the way, I, it did happen with other guests as well, where I was like, listen, I really feel like you deserve an listeners deserve something else. Mm-hmm. And I would love to reschedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so just powerful to make that ask. Like, I think it's so powerful that you rec- – like, the first step, like, you recognized it. You were like, I am not in a place to do this today, and I don't have to, and I can ask you know, for I what could, I need. I could push through, and yeah. that's what I would have done in so many other times, you know, in my life and in my career. But then who, who gains from it, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with a podcast, as you said. There will be another time. And also, I mean, there's another side of it, which is that podcasts, it's our voice. We're embodied. And if you are not present and you're, if you're not in your body that day, if you're not in the conversation that day, your guests can feel it and your listeners can tell. So I really do encourage all of my clients, yourself included, (laughs) and anyone listening who has their own (laughs) podcast and isn't my client, like the first step of having a good podcast is taking care of yourself. That's foundational for everything we do, but it really shows up in podcasting. And just yesterday, I I recorded another episode, which will go live uh, the week before this one goes, with Hadar Shemesh, and we talked about the permission to speak, which Mm. is also so powerful, like Mm -hmm. giving people and giving ourselves, you know, even me with this podcast, and I think you know that, I recorded the first episodes uh, of this podcast over a year before we actually Mm -hmm. kind of went live with the with the podcast and a lot of times we really we really do need permissions i have a friend one of my best friends she'll just tell me like do you need a permission slip yeah i'll write one for you you know it sounds so basic but it's so powerful because we our culture is so punishing in so many ways Mm -hmm. we are really i think especially work culture is very much Here's what you have to do. This mm-hmm. is the recipe for success. You, you don't deserve that rest time. Your time isn't yours, right? Mm-hmm. That is something very powerful that I realized during COVID that I don't feel like my time is mine. Yeah. That I feel like if I take some time off or even, you know, as you said, take some time to just work on my passion project, mm-hmm. it's time that I'm taking away from someone else. And hey, that time is mine. Yeah. And that time has value, even if it doesn't then get translated into money in the bank or into even a good deed that I did for someone else. Mm-hmm. It's just about as valuable if I took a nap or wrote something for mm-hmm. myself yeah, or yes had is. a nice piece of chocolate, right? <laughs> and I think that yeah. is so powerful that you're saying, hey, like, listen, take a break if you want to, like, I totally understand it. And then I'll also feel more comfortable taking a break when I need to, right? Exactly. I mean, when we give each other permission, we only we also empower ourselves. Or when we give ourselves permission, we also empower other people to do the same. And I think that exactly what you just said, like permission is so powerful because work is often so punishing in the ways that it's set up. And I think as entrepreneurs, one of the best opportunities and biggest challenges (laughs) is we have to learn how to stop punishing ourselves. Like the way. Oh, exactly. You know, once more for the people in the back, (laughs) I feel like as entrepreneurs, we have the privilege to build our business the way we want to, Mm -hmm. but then we find ourselves so many times just replicating the same tropes, the same, you know, frameworks and maybe even making them even more punishing because like, Otherwise, I won't be accountable. Otherwise, like we think so little of ourselves so many times. Oh, yes, definitely. And I think too, you know, 
for entrepreneurs who run service-based businesses, if you aren't in doing work in a way that serves you and that feels supported to you, if you're, if you're punishing yourself in your work, you will end up punishing your clients too. And something I try to work on really intentionally is how I design packages at softer sounds to give my, to like be as empowering to my clients and as flexible for them as I can be while still maintaining my own like energetic sovereignty and boundaries and things. So, you know, at softer sounds, all of our packages are like flat rate pricing. So there are limits on how long an episode can be, but I really, Mm. I used to get in sticky spots with clients when they like go over a limit and then I would like upcharge them or like there's all these forms of penalty pricing that we do in business where we like add fees or have like really harsh deadline. But I really try to run my business in a very penalty free way for everyone. Like it doesn't punish me. It doesn't punish my clients. If you need to take a week off of your podcast, that's not a problem for me. There's no penalty to you for that. That just gives us all permission (laughs) to rest and to be and to do what we need to do for our lives and our bodies and the people we love. That is so interesting because uh, first of all, I have so many different directions and things that I want to ask you and explore with you. But one of the things like that comes up for me when you talk about the way you do business is really kind of operating and and I'm sorry in advance. I know it sounds very woo-woo, but it's really something I I deeply believe in. Operating from abundance, Mm -hmm. right? And believing in abundance. And I feel like during crises like you know the entire last two years and so many different things that are happening in the world Mm -hmm. right now it is such a challenge to operate out of abundance and I think for me personally I'm a person who is like I think very much due to my amazing family and a lot of privilege that I grew up with even when I faced harder times or my family faced harder times I have like this very basic kind of faith and mm. just abundance and, and mm-hmm. just like, you know, I know it sounds like very big and, and kind of not specific, but just that there is, that's what I need and what I want exists out there mm-hmm. and that the world is, is like for me and not against me. And, you know, even when there were times where all evidence, but then I found myself during uh, the first months of the pandemic, uh, like many of us do going very much into kind of scarcity mode Mm -hmm. and operating out of fear Mm -hmm. and saying, Hey, like if I don't do this and if I don't take on this, like another, another project or client or don't sleep and work on that, what will happen? And I really caught myself on my tracks at some point and said, Hey, like you're not there anymore. You're not there. Like everything's good. You can relax. But then we get so used to those like exactly like we talked about entrepreneurs then replicating this very same framework they kind Mm -hmm. of ran away from it's very hard to break out of that habit Uh, and I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about that yeah many I have many thoughts about that Um, you know, I think one of the biggest tasks of being an entrepreneur, when you just mentioned abundance for me, is just like trusting that clients will keep coming. I think every entrepreneur has that moment where they have to say their first big no, and it's terrifying. Yeah. Your first big, like, that would be a great, that could bring a lot of money my way or a lot of business my way. And I have to say no to it anyway. And that is a, requires so much trust or faith as you put it in abundance that like things will keep coming your way. And I'm very much in that place right now as my business is growing. I'm really having to figure out like, where are the no's? When are they coming Mm -hmm. from? When are they coming from abundance? And when are they coming from scarcity too, is a big question I'm asking myself. Like, am I saying no to this just because I'm stressed today and I don't want to take on (laughs) any more work? Am I saying- Or or imposter syndrome, right? I don't think I'm good enough. Yeah. Am I saying, or am I saying no? Because like, it's not aligned and I need to say no. And those are huge challenges and they do require a lot of behavior changes. And I think, you know, just to like bring all of this together, like going slowly and growing your business slowly requires so many behavior and habit changes. And I struggle with that too. Like I have email on my phone. I look at my work email like 800 Mm. times a day. (laughs) 
like I constantly, you know, I have these habits that are still ingrained and, you know, there are things that I'm really working on changing and there are ways that I do think I move slowly very well. And then there are ways that I, I don't yet. And I'm still trying to figure out what it means to me. When I first was working on my business, I was like really hard on myself for doing like having work things on my phone. I was like, it shouldn't be on my phone. It should just be on my computer so that I only work when I'm at work on my computer. And I tried like really hard to enforce that. And eventually I was like, no, this is silly. Like for me, the flexibility to like categorize my credit card charges while I'm standing in line at the grocery store is way better for me than forcing myself to like be strict about where and how I do that. Oh, I'm so glad you're saying that because I, I like, I did have uh, a lot more boundaries until I had COVID uh, Mm -hmm. the second time, because then, you know, like everything like flew out of the window when you had to catch up. And I really, it's again, it's a behavior change. It takes a lot of habit changing and it's hard, but I did have like a day in the week where I would just work on Mm -hmm. own projects or my kind of agency projects. And I tried to consolidate meetings and we're like, getting back to that and just not sleep with my phone next to my head, which is so unhealthy. Um, Also trying to get back to that. (laughs) But I will say sometimes I really connect to what you said, because sometimes we punish ourselves with the things that are seemingly good for us. Like, no, Mm -hmm. if it works for you to, as you said, categorize your expenses while you're on the line, like in the grocery store, then, then you shouldn't feel shame and guilt about it, right? And yeah. I think some of the things that really relax me and make me more able to give myself time mm-hmm. in other, in other, I mean, time in other times, but so, <laughs> you know, elsewhere, yeah. is that I can, you know, I don't drive, so I can work from my phone when I'm mm-hmm. when I'm commuting, yeah. and I can answer emails and be on Slack, and that relaxes me because I know I'm, I'm on top of things, and then I can be home and I t- can take two or three hour lunch breaks with my son and have a lot of fun, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think all of us, I don't want to say should, but I would invite all of us (laughs) to (laughs) really have to learn how we rest best and what feels restorative for us and, and how we work. Like part of learning how we work best to me is learning how we rest best. And so for me, like I don't work on the weekends at all. Like I, and it's, if that's non-negotiable. Like I'm not, I do not edit. I'm not in my email. I don't, I don't work on the weekends because I need like a couple days totally away. Whereas my partner who also works from home is much more flexible about the weekends, but like truly cannot work from like two to four every afternoon because he is asleep (laughs) or he like, he will fall asleep during the lessons he teaches if he tries to work during that period because he wakes up really early and he needs like downtime in the early afternoon. And I think, you know, it's been at first, we tried to force each other to work the same way and rest the same way. And it just, we realized like, no, that's not what works for us. And I think each of us has to figure out what works for us. So interesting. Yeah. And I think during COVID and now like kind of in the aftermath when we, we work from home and we kind of get to see how each other, you know, in the family or, you know, relationships works. It's so interesting. And it's Mm. so like, also weird right to see how like different people balance out their lives I have to ask how did you learn all of that like what brought you because I feel like for so many of us Mm. it took some burning out or some like really big life lesson Mm -hmm. in order to kind of meet those things right head on and say hey listen something's got to change right (laughs) yeah I mean I definitely have experienced so much burnout in my life already. There are just a couple of things that came together that helped me learn all of this. One piece of it is that I have never had a traditional nine to five job. I went from college straight into grad school. I got my PhD in philosophy. So while I was in grad school, I taught at a university. I worked at a restaurant. I had a part-time job in an office on campus. I've always been someone who worked many jobs at once, and I've never worked a traditional nine to five. And so I think I was not as ingrained with many of the corporate work habits. I have not, I was Mm -hmm. not as punished by them. Academia has its own forms of punishment. (laughs) They're just different. Um, Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah, it's, it's, 
academia is very much like a work all the time and feel horrible about it kind of place the way I would say corporate America can be, but, (laughs) but it's just not the nine to five structure. So I think there are ways that like, I was kind of already thinking about work differently. And that has helped me continue to think about work differently. And then, you know, during when I was living in Chicago for grad school, I got involved with a couple of different feminist organizing groups. I took a lot of women and gender studies courses on campus. And I really just when I the more I learned about feminism, the more I started to see it as a way of living differently than the society I grew up in, I would say in the US, like our patriarchal white supremacist capitalist society, I like feminism gave me a lot of tools to interrogate that. And then once I could do that, I wanted more for my life and myself and my peers and my community. And so I just started trying to live differently. And that sounds a little, I don't know, not cliche. No, but like it sounds abstract, amazing, but I have to say. Yeah, it really like, I went through a period of probably about three, four years where I was just really looking at every area of my life, my friendships, my work, my creative practice, my romantic relationships, and it was a really big time of like dissolution for me. Like everything fell apart. I kind of, I tore a lot of it apart. A lot of it fell apart. And then I rebuilt with like the values that I wanted to be the foundation of my life. And I think launching my business was really kind of like a, not the final piece to that puzzle, but a big piece in that puzzle. And that now I am empowered to make all the choices I make about my work, which again, gets back yeah. to that entrepreneurial thing of like, <laughs> I mean, if you don't like what you're doing, you can choose to do it differently, but that doesn't mean that's easy. I can totally relate. I think many of us have this like time in their lives where they're just like re-examining yeah. everything. And like you really took that philosophy. <laughs> to life but I I totally you know having no a higher education I still no I I like I think like there's a time in your life for many of us where like you just say like hey did I going back to what you you said at the top of our conversation is this intentional Mm -hmm. does it work for me where does it come from and one thing that really opened my eyes and I think it didn't like didn't necessarily set in motion things like like you described but it's kind of came more like afterwards and then kind of lit another light on things that I already have done mm-hmm. when I read the book Burnout by Find Your Sisters. Name. Sister, yeah, the Nagowski sisters, Emily, I think. And I don't remember. I always forget the other uh, one's the, name. The, yeah, the musician. But I keep referring back to it. Like mm-hmm. my mom, I, by the way, I gave my hard copy to my mom and it's like full of like uh, post-its. And she said mm-hmm. like, did you have all of these things for me? And I said, no, those are just, but one of the things that they really go into and was such an eye opener for me was the idea of the human being slash the human giver. Mm-hmm. Women as this idea that women are not allowed to just be, they need to give in order mm-hmm. to have value. So that goes very much uh, into what I, I said before, like your time or your just your, your existence, right? It has so much value just because you exist, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to be constantly doing in order mm-hmm. to justify it. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it really went back to to someone who came from a community where I was not supposed to, you know, quote unquote, work or like have the have the the right to participate in the work. I, I needed to prove, like, hey, I'm like. I'm justified in being here. I have value. Let mm-hmm. me let me show. Let me prove that mm-hmm. I won't rest even for a minute, so you don't forget that I have value. And all of that was proving it to me, right? Uh, but it's so it's so frustrating and so amazing because like, it's frustrating, but it's amazing because then when you actually realize that and actually change a, a lot of it, how ingrained the patriarchy is in our <laughs> burnout, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, kind of crazy, right? It's it it's yeah, all the way down. You know, I think to your last point, like for me, the only person I'm interested in proving things to is myself at this point in my career and my life. And I'm not even that interested in proving things to myself. Like <laughs> I love it. Like, I, Teach me. Yeah, I just, you know, I think I try to really keep an eye on, am I doing this because 
I want to do this or because I have a story that in my head that I have to do this. And I Ooh, really try to yeah. get my life. I really try to put as many things as I can in my life in that column of because I want to do this. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, that is completely, for, to me at least, operating from abundance because mm-hmm. I want to, not because I need to, not because I have to, right? Yeah. Um, like my biggest thing in life, I think, or one of the biggest things in my life is wanting to be playful and to get mm. back to that place mm-hmm. of curiosity and playfulness and generosity. And one thing my, my therapist actually reminded me of that last week, which I feel, I feel like I, I <laughs> mention her every, <laughs> every episode. Um, so like, remember, if you're generous, that means you also need to be generous to yourself. And I think mm. so many of us forget that, right? 100%. We overextend. We become human givers. <laughs> so yeah. Like, and we just... Vessels to contain the emotions mm-hmm. and needs of everyone around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we do that because it's expected of us, particularly, as you said, like if you are a woman or socialized as a woman in our society, like that's expected of you. Then you have to unlearn that if you don't want to do that. And then that's yeah. its own process. There's so much unlearning to do. Okay, so I want to go into one of the phrases that you use, which I love, and you actually uh, threw it here before, and I said, oh, no, I'm not ready to go there yet. So energetic so- sovereignty. So sovereignty, I'm so bad with it. Sovereignty. But tell but us, yes. yes, thank you. Tell us a little bit more about it, and then maybe how what it has to do with also being off the grid. Yeah. So in my podcast, Off the Grid, subtitled Leaving Social Media Without Losing All Your Clients, one of the things that's in the intro is I talk about like the goal of the podcast is to help us all run businesses with radical generosity and energetic sovereignty. And energetic sovereignty is a phrase that I kind of first encountered in conversation with a friend and collaborator of mine named Mary Grace Allardyce. And I had her on the podcast to talk about energetic sovereignty. She's a somatic practitioner and spiritual healer. And so I really wanted somebody who does a lot of energy work to talk it through with me. So I just want to like plug that podcast episode, like go there for the full description. No, definitely. So good. (laughs) But just to in brief, talk about what it means here. You know, energetic sovereignty to me is really being attuned to your energy such that you can be your own container, like heal your vessel to use some of the metaphors that I just heard you use. I really think of energetic sovereignty as being in conversation with your energetic capacity. So do you have a, and like this might love that. Yeah. And it, it may sound really like, you know, esoteric to some people, but what I mean is just like, when you wake up in the morning, do you have a lot of energy that day or do you not? <laughs> like, do you yeah, I think adjust your life? Our energetic capacity a lot of times feels very physical. It's like not even esoteric. It's like, yes. it sometimes feels like you, you don't have any air left, right? Or like, exactly. you, like everything, like you're heavy, like each, you know, task takes so much more energy. I think, especially mm-hmm. these two years, like so many people could probably relate. It's like very, very grounded in everyday reality. It is. And so many things impact your energetic capacity. You know, if you're a human who has a menstrual cycle, that'll impact it. But for me, like the weather impacts my energetic capacity a lot. When we have extreme temperature shifts where I live, like pressure shifts, I get migraines or I get really like low energy. So when I'm attuning to my energetic capacity, I'm also really connecting with like what is happening around me that's impacting me. And I think energetic sovereignty is like being in conversation with your energetic capacity and then owning, like owning that for yourself and communicating it to others. So checking in recognizing what's happening, and then adjusting your life such that you can take care of yourself. And so, you know, I like the container metaphor because I or like the vessel metaphor, because I think part of energetic sovereignty is also not being a leaky vessel, not just letting not giving your energy away to everybody, not letting people pull it out of you, you know, in business, business is a matter of exchange. So you really do have to do your work to make like fill the cracks in your vessel to make sure it's not leaky because people will 
take it out of you. <laughs> or when you exchange money, I really you'll love give this it away. Metaphor, you know? Because I really love that what he said is like being being or, or, or like ideally not being a leaky vessel. But when I think about a vessel, I'm thinking probably because our difference is in language. In mm. Hebrew, when you talk about someone who's like very generous and very like good at listening, you would say that they contain, they're very good at containing other people. Mm. That they can, oh, interesting. They can really... And that's something like I'm, I'm a very empathetic person. I hope mm-hmm. so. And I'm like, I, I find myself a lot of time, like really identifying with people and wanting to kind of be able to con- like take a little bit mm. out of their like sorrow or what they're dealing with and kind of contain it for them. Mm. And then I, like, I, I had like a specific time, like a few weeks ago where I actually told my partner, I was like, I, you know, my cup runneth over and not in a good way. You know, I'm like, yeah. I can't contain so much. I need to, I need to be able to give in a way, yeah. like not of my own energy of like, just letting, like, I, I need to, I need to say no to, con- to, to taking over so many of the like emotions yeah. of other people, right? Yeah. And that could be frustration from your clients at work. It could be helping your, your team if you're a manager, dealing with things to be of course friends children right yeah yeah oh this is such an interesting I mean I love this language question it feels like a very philosophical question so of course I love it um yes so I think what energetic sovereignty like when we have energetic sovereignty that's when we're able to in my opinion like actually be empathic because we're not simply like we're able to actually engage with other people's emotions to feel them to understand them without like totally taking them into ourselves and making our bodies process them and our energy process them. So something I try to do with my clients is like, you know, when we open a meeting space, I normally like to take a couple deep breaths with people. We ground, we open the space together. And during that time I'm with them, with their feelings, I'm listening. I'm, you know, making space for it. I'm helping them process. I'm helping them problem solve. But at the end of the meeting, we like close the space. And I, if I kept my vessel not too leaky, like I can just, you know, I'm like, okay, cool. We did all that together. And now I can go on with my day. I know that That I. That is amazing because then the vessel for their emotions or what they're dealing with was the space that you created. It wasn't you. Exactly. Yes, because I feel like we're veering very, very philosophical, <laughs> but it, this is like blowing my mind because it's like it's a different vessel. It's not you. It's not them. It's somewhere in between. And it has yeah. in you know, in the case of a meeting, it has like a beginning and an end. Right. And and then you could put it aside. You could put it on a nice shelf. Right. Until yeah. next time. And you yeah. don't have to take it home with you. Exactly. And so in this, in in this example, like the vessel is the meeting, but I also think like our business is a vessel in this way. So like, I try really hard to like, let things that are happening in my business, like they can live in my business. I don't have to process them through my body. Because what I've learned for me, the fastest track to burnout is if I'm trying to like process everybody else's emotions for them. If I'm, if I'm running it all through my body, like my body can, sometimes barely handle my own feelings. I can't, oh my God, I, I can't totally do everybody else's. <laughs> so I think that- And that's, yeah. yeah, to quote you from another place, radical generosity without burning out, mm-hmm. this is what allows you to do that, right? It is, exactly. So, you know, I think radical generosity, energetic sovereignty is so important because if we want to be radically generous, we can't just be like constantly giving ourselves away or giving our energy away in ways that are not reciprocal or mutually nourishing. And we have to find the ways that are mutually nourishing for us and then give in those ways and in those spaces. And so I think that's what I'm always working on. Like there are ways that I'm radically generous in my business like by doing, you know, free discovery calls or by doing, I do offer a lot of free resources. Those are ways I'm radically generous, you know, but there are other yeah, things. Yeah, I'll I let me plug the yeah. great quiz that you, <laughs> I don't know if it's you just did it or I just came across it, but it's such a great quiz about like finding your podcast persona. Yeah. And then after you take this quiz, which is of course like, you know, a marketing tool for you, but you get so much Aww. without <laughs> needing to give anything you get so much out of it so many resources and yes as a marketer i think it's genius but also it's so generous 
Exactly. And I, and like, so I love to create content. I like to do fun things. So I, it's easy for me to be generous there. There are other places in my business where I'm not like I, I never, I never edit audio for free or at a reduced rate. I don't lower my prices for anyone. And that's like a hard, that's so I can maintain energetic sovereignty. Because for me, as soon as I start negotiating on price, I lose all of my energetic sovereignty. So, you know, we talked about all this intention I have into how I create the packages, how I price the packages. I do all this free stuff, but then sometimes then there are these hard boundaries of like, nope, this is how I keep my cup full. We have a lot of cup metaphors here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I love it. I, I will say also, it's really interesting for me. And then I do want to talk more about social media, but of course <laughs> we'll like just give people the link to off the grid so they can <laughs> listen to everything there. Yeah. But I, I think what he said about communicating boundaries is so interesting because I think some boundaries are very clear. Like mm-hmm. the times that you work and you don't work again, you could go like, you can go either way. You could go like I'm working one day a week. You could go like I'm working 24 seven, right? There's like a range there, but it's like very clear that time is some sort of a boundary. Mm -hmm. Uh, The services that you offer or you don't, you don't offer There are many boundaries though, that really affect in a major way, your energetic sovereignty Mm -hmm. that are less clear or that people are less used to hearing them as like, Hey, I won't do that. The way you'll be spoken to, the kinds of businesses Mm -hmm. that you want to be aligned with as your clients, right? doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you think other businesses are bad, but you just want to to choose businesses that you believe in, for example, or at least choose not to work with businesses where you don't believe the mission that they bring to the world. Mm -hmm. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I think part of what you're referring to is just like explicit versus implicit boundaries in our work as well. Like, right. you know, with, with the resources that are a limited commodity, like time or like money with pricing, those are these like explicit boundaries we set, right? Like how much time we'll spend or what something costs. But then there are all these implicit boundaries, right? Like I don't give my clients like a one pager on how to email me. <laughs> I just let them email me. <laughs> and then if they do something where I'm like, that was weird, I have to figure out like, did that, <laughs> did that cross the boundary? Did it not? Like what happened here? And do I now need to create a boundary or communicate this? And so yeah, it can definitely be challenging. What's coming to mind for me is that I notice those things come up the most when I have overextended myself. Or if some yeah. if somebody catches me in a moment where they ask for something that I want to say no to, but I say yes anyway, that is always the slipperiest slope to getting in this right. like resentful place where all of a sudden I need these really like hardcore boundaries to make it feel better. And so I think it does come back to that energetic sovereignty of really like knowing how much energy you have and knowing like what's a yes and a no for you in a lot of different areas of your business. So you don't That's get caught in those so moments. True. I mean, yeah, I yeah. did a course with someone who are Israeli listeners might know her name is Rumi Fear and she does some great training on communication with clients, mostly for people who are self-employed. And one of the things she taught me was that boundaries happen when you're frustrated because setting expectations didn't happen earlier in a clear enough way many times. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely true. And so I think, you know, that's why we're seeing more and more people put like response times, like I will respond within 48 hours straight in their contract or put like, you can expect right. me to be online Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Fridays, whatever at these times. Like I think we're people seeing people get a lot more explicit as a way of like keeping their work about ba- more boundaried and within certain times of their lives. One of the ways that I do a lot of implicit boundary setting is actually way back what you said, talked about at the beginning of this conversation, right? Is like my branding is very strong and my messaging is very strong. So, so far I've attracted the type of clients I want to work with because I've like really, because of what I'm putting out there, but that will not protect like, you know, boundaries will still be crossed. Yeah. (laughs) Branding can only do so much. But it's very powerful to start. Exactly. And I think that the other thing, if you're an entrepreneur, like you don't have to work with everybody. So if somebody is crossing your boundaries, like you really don't have to, you don't, there is no, no law (laughs) against it. Yeah. And this takes us right to our social media conversation because (laughs) the, yes, please. (laughs) when I just like for folks who 
are not familiar with the podcast, which is probably most listeners, you know, I decided to leave social media because I was having a boundaries problem or like what made it crystal clear that I had to leave was a boundaries problem because the process for me leaving was that in early at the end of 2020 peak pandemic times, that was a really hard year to be on social media, to be an influencer on social media, to be running a business on social media. I was doing all of those things for all of 2020. I got to the end of that year and my nervous system was so deregulated. And I was like, this has to get better. So I wrote this really long list of all the boundaries I was going to have with Instagram. And I was like, this is what's going to make it better. And when I finished the list, I was like, if I need this many boundaries to feel okay on this platform, I should not Something is deeply, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I got to get out of here because, and I knew that because I had gone to therapy (laughs) for relationships in my life, like with other human beings. Mm -hmm. And when I, and I had this same realization where I was like, shit, if I need this many boundaries to be in a relationship with this human, I, I need to do like, I can't be in a relationship with this person. So when I had that exact same realization about Instagram, I was like, all right, well, I got to get off. I got to leave. That is so, so it's it's so powerful because it's like, first of all, I love that you just sat down or or not, you know, stood up (laughs) and wrote that list because it's like, sometimes you really have to see it for it to just make itself known. Sometimes Mm -hmm. like it, it floats around in your head and you're like, feeling it in the moment, but it kind of, it's very, very easy to just let it kind of go. Yes. But then like you see it, you write it, you do something physical, right? That That is a strong realization. <laughs> it, it is. And I think too, you know, with social media, this might sound a little harsh, but now that I'm on the other side of not being on Instagram, many of us have or have had such intense relationships with that app. And it's become so normalized to have a really intense relationship with it. Like, Yeah. You know, most of my friends who are on Instagram for their businesses have all these boundaries about like, well, I delete the app on these days and I download it again on these days and I respond to comments in these times. And I, and I, I just, you know, I'm, there's a part of me that's like, I'm not here to judge what anybody chooses to do or not, but that's a lot of boundaries to need for an app. And for each person, it's also something else. You know, for me, Instagram is my happy place. It's like my kind of judgment free place. It's where I, feel I think you know during the pandemic when I was going to shut down my my startup and then I did I felt so uneasy I didn't know I had like a real professional I never even personal identity crisis and every time I went on Facebook other than in like closed groups Mm -hmm. I was like I felt very much like maybe you felt on Instagram because that's where like my like ecosystem like yeah. hang out and and kind of talked about all the amazing things they did and the meetup they just did on zoom and and like linkedin was the same thing and like instagram and especially stories were just the place where i could like really rant and kind of talk about my newly found obsession with yoga and just like talk about things that i was like thinking and feeling but didn't want to commit it to a post that will stay alive I really relate, even though it's like exactly the opposite for me with this Instagram, because each of us has like this one thing where we're, I don't know each of us, but so many of us have like this one thing that we're battling, that we're continuing to do because we should, because how, yeah. how can you even have a business without it? How can you even have, or even if you're not self-employed or not an entrepreneur, how can you mm-hmm. even have a career without or a network without it? And there are so yeah. many different ways to do that. And that's one of the things that I really love about your podcast is that you could re-examine things like very creatively. Mm -hmm. And for some people, it might be exactly like very much like the things that you talk about, like like foregoing Instagram and going for a newsletter or for a Mm -hmm. podcast and other things. And for other people, it might just give them inspiration for other areas in their life. Maybe they'll want to go even more into Instagram or into TikTok or whatever, but they wouldn't want to, you know, replace, uh, use that to replace something else. Or maybe they would want to go like completely offline. I don't know. But (laughs) I think it's so powerful to just have going back to what you said earlier, permission, Mm -hmm. permission to re-examine stuff, permission to, um, to look at things differently and to say, Hey, I, I really don't have to do that. Like there's only one thing I have to do in life and that's breathe. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, 
everything you just said is definitely all the lessons I try to drive home on the podcast. We have all these narratives around, you know, if you want to be an influencer, you got to be on TikTok now. If you want to be a writer, you better be on Twitter. If you want to be a coach, you got to have a Facebook group. You know, this, it's just like constant. And it's never ending. Like there will always be another platform, right? There will always be another platform. And I think really, when I made that list of boundaries with Instagram, I like had that kind of moment where like the the screen dropped and I actually saw what was like behind the scenes. And I was like, Oh, what am I doing? There's the personal relationship we each have with different platforms and our ability to like, look at and question that and ask, where are we doing what we think we have to do in air quotes? And where are we doing what we want to do? I do think there are important larger conversations around the ways that these social networking, social media platforms are manipulating our attention and our habits. Oh, for sure. (laughs) And so our data. Yeah. Yeah. So I always like, you know, I'm always here to be like, everyone make their own choices beyond the platforms you love or not. And then also like with the awareness that, you know, Instagram and TikTok are just data mining you like and selling. Yeah, you should be educated. Yeah. So I I think it's I always say, you know, I I used to do like paid campaigns like when they just started on Facebook. And like when when like all the talk started about (laughs) how they're all data mining, I was like, I'm okay with it. Like I know it's crazy, right? But but I'm okay. Like I was aware, like maybe not to that extent, but I was aware it's it gives me a lot of comfort in my life and it's like if it serves me the ads that I would like to get anyhow I don't mind but I am aware right yeah exactly you're not aware and you're being manipulated and you're not you know and you're taking it as gospel that's very very problematic I mean and we saw there's been a lot of critique of that on Facebook specifically but I would say like for me I am aware and I'm still manipulated all the time like I buy I bought so much stuff from Instagram ads just because it was cute all the time (laughs) and that's not the same level of like you know psychological or political manipulation that people will critique as happening but let me tell you when I left Instagram I spent so much less money even as somebody who's not a big I was never a huge consumer but like since I got off Instagram, I have not bought a pair of girlfriend collective leggings. I have not bought any all these things I just used to buy because so they were sold to me constantly. And they became just like the kind of things all that my friends on Instagram had and all the other influencers had and just like so I just yeah. don't do that it's anymore. It's part of like it's also it's so easy for stuff like actual stuff to become part of your identity, right? Like really. Yes. And I think like that is especially the case on Instagram and becoming the case on TikTok. But I've also noticed like, I do think that platform of choice is somewhat a generational thing. Like when I, when I hear from off the grid listeners, like people in kind of my age range, like late twenties, early thirties, it, we're trying to get off Instagram. Other people are trying to get off like uh, out of most Facebook, people, Facebook yeah. there's really no one trying to get out of TikTok right now. Everyone's trying to get into TikTok, but soon I think but I will hear from be, people. It's the next wave. <laughs> yeah, and then, then they will be like leaving. But it's just like now, kind of Instagram goes is going back to being authentic, and people are doing photo dumps where before that it was curated, and before that people forget that the reason everyone fell in love with Instagram was also that so-called authenticity, right? Which is like why people are going to TikTok and to Be Real and to other platforms right now. But it's really, it's really a cycle. It's like really, if you're, if you've been around (laughs) long enough, you see it all repeating itself. And it's like, it's just, you know, with more powerful data mining. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yes, that's basically, basically, yeah. So I really think it just comes back to, as we've said many times, like, discerning what your values are and what's aligned with those for you. And if you are an entrepreneur, if you're a human being, <laughs> trying to yeah. <laughs> like align your actions with your values wherever you can. And then I think if you're an entrepreneur, you have the opportunity to make a lot of choices in your business that are also aligned with your values specifically. Yeah. And really, I think if you're an entrepreneur and you have that opportunity, make sure that you that you take that opportunity and mm-hmm. you don't just like continue to work and to live the way that you had to when you worked. Exactly. That's a shame, right? Yes. Uh, Amelia, thank you so much for being here. I am so glad we had this conversation. It was so fun to have this time to kind of explore and, and dive deeper 
into all those amazing things. And I feel like we could still do like three more like this. Yeah, we obviously both love um, to talk to each other. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I want to encourage listeners to go to Off the Grid because it's just, you learn so much and it's so, it really opens your mind. Like I really, like not even trying to get off Instagram, I'm learning so much and it's really making me re-examine so many things. And I would say a great podcast pairing with Off the Grid would be the podcast Quit. I think it's called or Quitting. I think it's. Have you heard about yeah, it? Yeah, Quitted. I think Quitted. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You're right. I. This is one of my like favorite podcasts in the last few weeks, and it's about quitting stuff. It could be quitting your own business. It could be about quitting an addiction of any kind, quitting lying, I think was the last one or the one just before that. And I think it's like, again, it's another really great eye opener that gets you to just re-examine a lot of things. And I would highly yeah. recommend like listening to episodes of Off the Grid and quitting back to back. I think it could be a very, make, make a very thought provoking <laughs> kind of I mean, definitely day. too like, big permission slip podcasts so I oh think my it goodness would be great. yeah we need to do like a collection a podcast collection permission slip oh that'd be so fun yes yeah let's do it that would be amazing <laughs> yeah let's let's do it amazing thank you so much amelia i can't wait for our listeners to get in and all this good stuff i really enjoyed having you here have a great great rest of your day yes thank you Hedva. it was wonderful Thank you for listening to Looks Like Work. You can find resources, links, and of course, the episode's show notes at roomsandwords.com. That's rooms, like a room, and words, and like an and.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I really, really hope that you'll like my newsletter too. My newsletter is something that I send out every week, and I share thoughts, links, books and just other things that I find thought-provoking, interesting, somehow contributing to these conversations that we're having here, or sometimes just joyously distracting. Again, the newsletter is sent out every week, and you can find the link to sign up on my website at roomsandwords.com, and I really hope to see you there, and of course to see you here next week. Have a good one!